Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. So imagine you are a corporate person. You've got a normal job and you have for quite some time. You sit there and you look around at a need. Your clients have. Your clients have this need and maybe they don't even know it. They're making an investment in technology. They're not fully utilizing their investment. In fact, they're barely scratching the surface sometimes of the technology that they have paid for, but not fully deployed. So that's the story of this entrepreneur with a kick. He also was in his mid-50s when he decided to make this leap. It's a cool story. That's why I'm bringing it to you here on the Do Business Better podcast. Of course, you know I'm Damian Mason. We're talking to Dave Swain. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Vision Technology Management. He had been working and you know, your basic corporate stuff uh, for his whole career, a couple of different jobs, few different employers. And then he said, you know what, I'm going to make this leap. And it's because I see this thing out here. So we're going to hear his story and maybe it will inspire you. Maybe you are this person. More importantly, maybe you were this person and you can probably just take this journey with him. Dave Swain, we got together for lunch last week. We talked about your business and I said, come on, the Do Business Better podcast. So uh, give us the backstory. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Grew up on a family farm, and and like you said, I went into the corporate world, uh, working retail fertilizer, worked for an equipment manufacturer on the technology side of the business, um, ran a precision ag program for a few years, and then went to work for a startup and, and even been bought out by an established technology diner company. And through all of that, I started seeing a big gap with technology, and not the technology tools or programs or anything of the sorts, but they weren't getting the value out of it. They weren't seeing the return on their investment or whatever you want to look at, whatever their return was. It may have been time. It may have been more acres or whatever. And seeing that they just weren't implementing it. And so really wanted to start looking at how do I help them make better use of the tools? get what they expected out of it when they bought it. Because, you know, at, at read one of your uh, one of your quotes of, you know, people are making use of stuff, but they're really not getting it out of it. And, you know, to paraphrase, and why did you buy it? It was an emotional decision. What happened to the business side of it? And really looking at how do we move that into that business side of the decision so that they and say, hey, I made a good decision out of this. And that's really what I'm looking at. <clears throat> so don't you think that there is this thing where we're enamored with technology? You know, it's this big thing. Oh, God, you know, you and me are both in our 50s. Oh, you're probably getting out of touch. And I'll admit, I, I'm not as handy on uh, video production using my phone as someone as 20 years old is. And so there's this enamorment, if you will, this idea. You've got to go out and have the latest technology. And then companies fall for this also. Oh, gosh, we don't look stodgy. We don't look outdated. So you buy a boatload of technology. And then, you know, to put it in your system, to put it in your inventory management, to put it in your accounts receivable and your in your payment management, whatever that thing is, or maybe it's just like warehousing. It doesn't matter what this thing is. And all of a sudden, your employees say, well, that's cool, but I'm going to go back to what I know how to do. Uh, you know, my, <laughs> I see it all the time. I resist. I, I, 
I own technology that I don't fully utilize. I'm holding a phone right now, Dave. This thing, as my buddy who works for Google tells me, is smarter than the Apollo space program. While I'm not getting quite Apollo space program type of returns out of my phone. So this yeah. happens at the very base level, clear up to large corporations. And, and obviously, it seems to me you've got a nice niche if the companies will understand the problem they have. They've got the technology and they could be getting more out of the investment they already made. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key to it is one is realizing you made a decision and you had the best of intentions when you purchased it. I mean, we all, you know, whether it's an emotional or even a business decision, we have the best of intentions of making use of that product, just like your phone. Oh, I see somebody doing this. That's really cool. I should do that too. But then after our first couple of, of times you've kind of played with it, it's not the habit. And so we always revert back to the habits. And so change is very difficult. A a book I read, The Four Disciplines of Execution, talks about the whirlwind of the day. And when we get into the whirlwind of the day, guess what? We we revert back to what we know and is, is easy to do because we know it'll get the job done. And yeah, there's nothing world. wrong with that. There's all kinds of people that have been kind of reverting to what they know because it, it does get the job done. It's just that they still have it. The, the big pitch for you is, yeah, you're probably getting the job done. You told me about one of your clients. Yeah, you're still using this old system of, um, I think it was uh, way tickets and things like that. All right, yeah, you're getting the job done. But what the hell? You went and spent a hundred grand on this new software and hardware yeah. package. And you're not getting anything out of it. So now it becomes a let's go and recoup return on our investment. And that's the pitch, I think. Well, and that's and I think that's the biggest thing is, is uh, the most expensive tool on your operations, the one you're paying for and, and you're not using. And if we make use of the tools that we've purchased, it's not just possible added time or efficiencies, whatever you want to look at, what's important. It is that we've spent the money for a reason. Mm. Whoever made that decision, now it's time to make use of it. And and then we can learn the new habits that do make us more efficient, more profitable, better service-minded toward our customers so that we're doing a better job of servicing them as well. When you... um... When you go into this, uh, once you have the client, the pitch, the pitch, the sale for you is getting return on the investment you've already made. And that should be an easy one. You know, if you came out to me and said, Damien, you own this farm and you're leaving $20,000 a year on the table and you don't even have to change much. I'd be like, hell yes, sign me up. You go to my investment portfolio and say, you know, and of course, that's the broker's pitch that they all make that, you know, you maybe more. So now you're just doing it the same thing. You're saying, here's this asset that you bought. And frankly, it's technology. It's also not going to be around 20 years from now. You, you bought it because it was newer and better. Well, you better get your money's worth out of it now, because three years from now, it's going to be the old, the old edition. Exactly. You know, and I think that's a thing that a lot of people are running into, whether it is at a, at a producer level or at an agribusiness level. They buy one thing that also brings a lot of other technology options with them. It may be standard, but it's it's still an option at the end of the day. So 
being able to say, oh, I bought, you know, a tractor. And it has all of these widgets on it that are technology minded. And more times than not, the, the farmer just wants to drive the tractor and forgets about being able to take advantage of some of those technologies that would make him more efficient, make him drive straighter, whatever those, whatever those things are. And it's showing him what he has on the operation as well. And again, it could be at an agribusiness level, but what's on the operation that we can make better use of? We're not talking about going out and spending ten or $100,000 on the new latest and greatest. It's making use of what you got. Yeah, so you work in this agricultural space, which is where I work as well. That's why we know each other. But this could be anywhere. This could be absolutely a company that that makes widgets. It could be anything that we're talking about. It just happens that you're uh, you're working in the agricultural space. So tell me about the <clears throat> talk about the uh, the adjustments you made uh, because remember the folks listening to this are business people. You looked and saw this um, lack of utilization of technology investment, and you saw it when you were with Agco. So the background is you were you were the large uh, ag retail. You've been in with large agricultural equipment manufacturer. You've seen this mm-hmm. at all levels, and so yes. how then did you make it into a business? Uh, well, I, I first off, I talked to a lot of people I trusted uh, to make sure I was not um, didn't have blinders on of this is a great idea and I should do it and everybody's going to buy it and things are great. Um, that that, hap- that happens, by the way. That happens. Oh, yeah. This idea is so brilliant. No one will be able to live without it. Uh, and then you find out a year into your journey. There's a lot of people apparently can live without it because uh, it's a brilliant idea, but ain't nobody buying it. Exactly. Exactly. So I talked to tar- trusted people for probably about a year. And I actually, um, you know, had the financial opportunity that enabled me and my wife to sit down and talk and look at opportunities of what we were going to do with this money. And we both looked at each other. We were like, I I think we're going to start a business because of course I've been talking to her through all of the conversations I'd had with everybody else. And so then it was positioning myself through my network, through the industry to say, here, here's some opportunities. Here's how I want to approach it. And then just kind of took the leap of going, oh, crap, I'm quitting a, a good paying job that I'm not unhappy with. I'm like, man, it's a company I was with at the time. Yeah. It was it was an opportunity to start my own business and and do this. But you think there's a lot of people that are uh, in that phase. Uh, and so how long did you give yourself a timeline? Because. I've known people that have been telling me for a decade that they're going to strike off on their own and somehow they're golden handcuffed to their current position. So how long did you give yourself a timeline and say, by golly, if we don't do it by here, it's not going to happen? Or how did that go? Uh, pretty much. Uh, it was we we set a date. Um, there were a couple of things that made it delay by by a month or by four months. And so, you know, once that delay was was taken care of, it was turn in the resignation and off we go. But yeah, I had to, had to set a timeline and, you know, there were a lot of personal things in the family that are going on. I had a daughter getting married. I had, <laughs> you know, I, 
you know, there were a lot of financial things that it was kind of like, oh crap, I'm, I'm leaving my job and I still got a kid in college and I'm paying for a wedding. And you know what? You, you take the leap of faith and, and you start moving forward. And that's, you know, eventually you just had to leap. By the way, I appreciate you saying that because I put that in my book, the one that's over my shoulder right here. Um, okay. I put that in my book that these people that are waiting for the perfect time, the right time, the perfect economy, the like, what the hell are you thinking? There, there's, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as uh, mm-hmm. all the stars are aligned and this perfect thing happened. And then it's uh, no. <clears throat> um, what's been the biggest uh, we're talking entrepreneurial questions now. Uh, huh? year and a half in, right? You're about a year and a half in. Yes, sir. First, biggest thing that surprised you. I mean, hell, you're not you're not a stranger to working. You're not a stranger to you're not a stranger to working with clients. You're not a stranger. You're not a stranger to business. Um, and certainly, you didn't strike into a completely different industry. You stayed in agriculture. You just changed the offering and started on your own. Biggest thing that sort of surprised you, like, oh crap, I didn't quite see this. Um probably getting more into and having to learn more about policy, uh, governmental policy, uh, those types of programs, um, such as carbon. Uh, yeah, not for you, not, not for you to run the business, but for you to Correct. make it so that you were, your business was pertinent, I guess, to the client. Okay. Correct. Correct. And, and looking at, um, you know, I, I, you know, the different policies that are coming down, what's affecting who my clients are going to be. Uh, I'm working with a client right now that it is, it, it, they're trying to get ahead of all of the stuff, uh, carbon, ESG, uh, environment, environmental impact quotients, and, and all of those types of things that before this business started, I was kind of like, that was peripheral things and I didn't worry about it. Um, now it is one of the forefront things that I have to be aware of and and up on. There's nothing else to be conversant in. Okay. That was the biggest sort of uh, adjustment surprise. Um, biggest positive surprise thing that was like, oh, crap. I mean, this is better than I thought. Oh man, this is this is this is uh, this is this is like I thought this was going to be more of a struggle. What thing positively uh, jumped out you in the last year and a half, first year and a half? Talk, you know, I started out. I I was going to start focusing on the grower level because of implementation issues that I probably saw at that grower level more so than at the agribusiness level. Yep. But started my network. I didn't I don't want to compete with anybody that is in the market for data management or training or anything like that. So I went started going to my my agribusiness network to try to 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 get more into that grower level facing type of of segment. And what was the biggest surprise was the agribusiness is looking at me and going, I'm not sure how we're going to take you to market for our customers, but we need the help. Yeah. And so we'd like to talk with you. And so that has turned into probably a bigger segment initially than even at the grower level. So yeah, that's been the biggest surprise. Well, and you know what? That That's the good part is you explained your offering and wanted them to take you to to you wanted them to sort of help you go deeper with their customer base mm-hmm. and they said before we do that we need your offering and so yes. there, there is a perceived there's a perception of value so i guess the positive surprise is once you were in 
because it's difficult to explain value proposition. And mm-hmm. you apparently explained it well enough that they grabbed onto it before they even took it to their customers. Yes. Yes. When you explained value proposition to them from a selling standpoint, because as I point out to this on this podcast and about every other thing that I do, when folks that are in business say, well, I don't want to, you know, we're not in sales. Well, bullshit. <laughs> if, well, yes, we are. Sale, if there's not, if there's not a transaction, if there's not revenue coming in, there is no business. So you never were really in a sales role. And now you were in a position, you'd worked in corporate, you'd worked in business, but you never were out there asking for orders, right? Yes, I was. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. So it wasn't difficult for you to go and ask for orders. No. But, no, I'm, but, but I, the if, thing is, you started by going to the agricultural retail industry, and for you that are not an ag, that means the folks that sell all all the stuff that takes to grow a crop or produce meat, you know, feed, seed, chemical, fertilizer, but etc. So he went to them, and you were actually selling them to sell on to their customers, and then they said, and so now it changed how you went about selling. Sure, absolutely, and that's and it is. Um, trying to show them one, the need. And it didn't take a whole lot to show the need because I think most of, uh, most of the market does see that there's a lack of use of the products. We all know that just like our, like you were mentioning about the phone. We all know that. Uh, But it was now what, what does that mean at the end of the day? And that is really change management. Implementation is really change management. And having somebody come in and say, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Pay me and I'm going to walk away. It is, I'm going to walk through this with you so that I can help you make that change and make it the new habit rather than, you know, here's a plan. Go ahead. Have fun. It's, it's helping them walk through it. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for is I know I need to do it but I don't have time to, but if somebody's going to hold me to it, you know, it's weekly sales meetings. When you say I'm going to have this many sales this week, when I have to get on the next sales call, you know, sales meeting call, and I don't have those sales book. Now I'm, I have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm accountable for that. Same thing with this. I want to help them, not in a bad way, but help them be accountable to making the changes they say they want to make. What um, what sort of uh, customer, you know, client feedback have you taken that made you better? Because I think in that first year and a half, first off, and I, and you and I talked about this, you'll get so much feedback that it might end up just uh, diluting what your offering is. But what client feedback did you get that you said? That's something I can utilize. That's something that's valuable. It, it probably came in the in the carbon and the the EIQ ESG side of the business because it's I don't want to say it's unknown, but it's such the wild wild west out there mm-hmm. that not to say that I'm the greatest expert of it, but I do have people I can ask questions of. But it's helping people walk through that. Yep. And has expanded that segment of being able to help serve these guys. Yeah. New clients were asking you for it. Um, <clears throat> all right. Here's the one that nobody will uh, ever likes. When you worked in corporate I, and you all, you and I have both been there, the corporate, when they came up with this thing, what, a decade or so ago, SWAT, our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, and our threats. 
And then they all sit around in their little corporate uh, kumbaya moment. And what are our strengths of the week? We're the best, blah, blah, blah. What are our weaknesses? Our weaknesses are that we just, we're just too smart. Our weaknesses are that we just are too good. None of these little dipshits and, and big corporate will ever say, here's what we suck at. Here's where we're weak. So I find the funny exercise because you talk about, because if they do, then all of a sudden they're afraid they'll get kicked out of the boardroom or all of a sudden like, oh, well, they must be weak. It's not us. So it's a terrible thing that nobody can ever do. Self-analysis. What did you discover in a year and a half that was a weakness or that was something you got wrong? What did you say? Oh, man, I'd say what I miss. I'm 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 I missed characterize this or I missed the uh, I didn't predict quite this. Probably at that at that grower segment, um, it, it, it was a miss to some degree of them wanting to make better use of the technology. Uh, I think a lot of them think they're making the best use of it they need to at the time. Uh, and then also I had a situation where I was I was talking with a, a farmer and he was you know we're talking through things and i said well what about this it was a situation popped up while he and i were talking and i said well what about this in your operation and and he said oh and he you know you could see the wheels were starting to turn right and i said so you know and so we finished it off and i said you know we set a timeline when i was going to get back with him so i got back with him in that timeline and i said what is that you know, how are we going to move forward in that? He goes, oh, we were already doing that. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, and he he, he took the advice and then he went off on his own on it. And that's right. probably where I was weakest at of saying, you know, not divulging too much. Yeah. And and hold, I hate to say, holding on to my value yeah. for his operation. So and I think that's probably my biggest weakness of it. I threw the weakness in there because of the SWAT things. I always, I've always been amused by that because uh, yeah. the average corporate group doesn't ever come up with any weaknesses, uh, well, mostly strengths. Um, so it's not really a weakness. It's actually a tough part when you are in the service provider business that you bring up. If you give it away, and we have this all the time, they want me to do what I do for free or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hey, could you talk to my people? And then we'll decide about maybe because I used to do more of that, like ag sales consulting and whatnot. Well, let's have a call and figure it out. I'm like, well, after you go through this enough, it's like, oh, so you just really got the old thing of you just took my value and uh, and I didn't get any compensation for it. What are you going to do in the future to keep that from happening? Well, it is, you know pointing out some things, but also, you know, saying, okay, we're, we're going to have a a conversation and probably setting up that if, if we have that consultation and sit down kind of to your point of let's talk this over. And if we move into the, uh, into an engagement, into a contract of any sorts, we'll apply what I was going to charge you for this consultation into the contract. Mm-hmm. rather than saying the consultation is for free mm-hmm. and then we get a contract. No, we're going to charge you for the consultation, but then we'll apply it to the contract if we have the engagement after the fact. Yeah, and, and I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, yes, we'll come out, we'll do the analysis and the consultation and the review, and and uh, you pay for that. And then once we become engaged, yeah, <clears throat> otherwise you end up getting plucked. And, and uh, that's probably a lot of people in this business. Okay, let's go to then opportunity. 
What do you think the opportunity is? Everybody, every company in the world, you're sticking with ag, has every individual, every small business person has technology that they've paid for and aren't utilizing. So the opportunity, I should think, is almost endless. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, okay, then let's talk about the threat. The uh, Since we're doing the strength, weakness, opportunity, threat. Is the threat that they don't care? Is the threat that they know that they've already spent the money, but they're like, screw it, it's working. We're getting 5% of a return off of our investment. It's enough. What's the threat? That they that they know their people won't adjust? That old Gladys, who's been with the company for 27 years, isn't going to start using a new software yeah. system? What is the threat to uh, the opportunity, the thing you're offering? I think, I think you pretty much named all of it. That is, I want it for free. You should just help me because you know I need the help. Uh, or or as as cheap as they can get it. I mean, we're all business people. And I, you know, I always laughed when I was selling fertilizer that, you know, oh, they were always hitting me for cheaper potash or cheaper seed, whatever it was. And, you know, when I was young and stupid, I, you know, got mad about that. But at the end, that's their job. And so it is making sure that we don't dismiss that. Right. Uh, but it is that that making sure that the value is there, that they're willing to pay for it. But it is, you know, I just got it. It works. And let's leave well enough alone. I mean, I had guys when I was on the technology side with, with the equipment company that they wouldn't do updates, mm-hmm. needed updates, because you know what? It's working right now. Just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And so it is that mentality of things are going well. I appreciate that you want to help me with this, but I'm, I'm good for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're they're missing the opportunity cost that they have by not using it. All right. <clears throat> by the way, strengths. Now we're talking Dave Swain, CEO, founder, Vision Technology Management. Multiple different, um, multiple different uh, uh, angles from your corporate background, from equipment to ag retail, whatnot. What's the strength? What is it that? And I'm not selling you to sell the customer. When you thought about starting this, and now that you're a year and a half in, when you look at it, and you and I had a, you and I had a lunch together, and I said one thing you got to do is look at yourself as a product, and and then always look at it from the customer's eyes, and that's very hard for people to do, Dave. But looking at it from your eyes and then looking at it from the customer's eyes, what would you say, or the client's eyes, what would you say the strength of you and Vision? The strength, the strength I bring, I think, is as much about the business side of the technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, there are 25-year-olds that will make this technology do things I never dreamt of. Mm-hmm. I mean, pure and simple. I, I'm I'm 56 years old. Uh, and I always joke that um, what idiot at 56 in today's economy quits his job and starts a business. Mm-hmm. Me. Mm-hmm. But I also say that it took me 56 years to get trained for this job. Mm-hmm. And so I look at it from a business standpoint, not just from a functionality standpoint. Yeah, yeah. you're not an IT person. An IT person no. comes in and uh, looks at stuff and usually the IT people come in and scoff at your ignorance that you wouldn't know this thing that does this thing that this because I'm telling you I'm I'm there also. 
So your strength is not about being an IT person because that's some that's a different skill. Your strength yep. is taking the technology and making it make money fall out of the technology. Correct. And helping them make the best use of it. And sometimes maybe it's not just the money of it. It is, if I can use my steering, uh, use that just as a kind of an example, if I can use the steering and become more efficient so that I can go home and, and, and be with my family or go to my kids' ball games or whatever, that's just as important as the revenue. Mm-hmm. Just depends on what their return on investment truly is, why they bought the technology. So it is, how do I make the best use of it to get what I really want out of it? Yes, smart. All right. Um, so we went through the SWAT, went through the whole thing. Uh, what did we? What have I not asked you that you think we should cover if you're talking to people about what you've done and where this thing is going? I think it, because of my background, I mean, I came up from the farm and have been through a lot of different segments of this industry. Of course, my background is more toward the agronomy and equipment side of the business than feed and grain. Yeah. But I don't pretend to know everything and I'm not going to blow smoke. If I don't know it, I'll probably tell you, you know, you might want to find somebody else for it. Or if I have the opportunity, you know what? It's an opportunity to learn. And I have a network that I can ask questions of. And it's it's not being the smartest guy in the room. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I just want to make the best use of my experience, what I've learned over the years and learn from the industry and the, and the people that have influenced me in this industry to start moving it to the next generation because they know how to use this stuff. A lot of them just don't know how to make good money out of the stuff. Yeah. So that, like you said, you don't need to be a smartest person in the room about, uh, about uh, feed inputs. If you're working with a, a grain uh, company, you need to be a smart person about how to utilize the technology that they already have or could add to to make more money on the feed. You just need to know about making money on the technology. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. Uh, last question. I like to ask uh, I like to ask people that uh, run their business, okay? I give you four more hours this week. I just magically pull four hours out of the sky. Give them to you. They don't give them to me. Just give them to you. What do you do with your four hours? Now that you're a year and a half in running, because you know what I've noticed, people who leave corporate and run their own business, good friend of mine, went from being a, you know, attorney in the, in the government to then being a partner in a law firm. And uh, he was supposed to meet me somewhere like at five, show up at eight. He said, I don't know if you understand, but he's like, now every hour I'm working is for me. I said, you wonder if I understand. Hell, I quit my job in 1994. I get it. I've, I've been out here every hour is mine. So anyway, people a lot of times when they leave the corporate world and then have their own business, they look at hours differently. You look at hours differently. And then again, what would you do with those four hours? Um, I, I think there's a split amongst all of it. And that is one is it's continuing to learn. Yeah. Um, it is finding something that I'm weak in and at least becoming better at it. Yep. Um, Continuing to make phone calls and reaching out to people, playing a bit of the salesman, as you were mentioning earlier, I have to sell myself. And sometimes that's tough to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've tried never to be that self-promoter person, but in this job, I have to be. Mm -hmm. And then um, it is guarding that time and, and making sure that I this doesn't become such the obsession that 
I do neglect my family and, and some personal time into that. So it, there's a split amongst all of that four hours. Yeah, I think that's a, that's well-rounded. I, I've, I've asked myself that question a number of times. And by the way, the answer uh, evolves. If you ask mm-hmm. me four hours, I give you four hours when I was 30 versus then when I'm 40. The four hour, the deployment of the four hours looks different today in my mid fifties than it would have in those different things. I'd probably say uh, an hour of it goes to reading an hour of it goes to uh, uh, um, maybe even two hours into enrichment of some sort. And then, I don't know, maybe the other other hour might go to fishing. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. A golf lesson, but, but, but it's still at least a couple of hours would be about getting stronger, getting better. And uh, usually yes. what happens when you ask that question is uh, people look at the things that they know they're not doing enough of. And that's mm-hmm. uh, I think the purpose of that question. So what excites you? Last thing, then we're going to leave. What's it, what's exciting you? What's exciting to you now a year and a half in? Uh, the exciting thing is when you see the light bulb. Yeah. It, I was in a meeting with a client yesterday and we were doing this big overview of the state of the project. Yep. And it was watching all of the people that are involved in this project. You see the light bulb go on and go on. That's it. it. It's doing what we expected it to do or what we wanted it to do. And then getting the phone calls afterward. You know, we finish the meeting, I get in my truck, I'm starting to drive home and I'm getting phone calls. And I had one guy that we talked for probably an hour and a half and he just couldn't stop talking because he was so excited. Yeah. And it's seeing that, oh, that's it. Yeah. The fruition, the fruition, the uh, now that other people, because most people aren't visionary, but when they can see what you saw finally come to life it's uh it's very rewarding isn't it yes yes very much so very much so his name is dave swain vision technology management budding entrepreneur at 56 years old but he saw a need for something in the space that he already served he was in the agricultural space and said i see because obviously we all see these needs so he used uh, the power of observation then his background and uh, went right into his strength so i think this is going to work out fine if you want to learn more about vision technology management and how to maybe utilize his services to get more value out of your technology investment how do they find you uh, you can either give me a call at 765 uh, or just go to my website at visiontech, T-E-C-H, managementmgmt.com. And you can contact me through that and uh, would love to have a conversation because this, this is an exciting time. We have a lot of opportunities in this industry to uh, take advantage of the technology and, and uh, build businesses. I like it. Dave Swain, Vision Technology Management. Look them up, find them. Thanks for being here, my friend. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. As always, good luck to you. All right, till next time. Thanks for being here. I'm David Mason. This is the Do Business Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, and Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message 
We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you.